Hello? Yeah. What's up? Hey, you got any beer? I do. I have some. Yeah, I have some IPAs up here. All right, let me get one of those. I'm fucking still doing that drinking show. I ran out of alcohol. Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, welcome back to this week's installment of Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, the show where you talk about your favorite music and I try to get you drunk doing so. Uh, as always, I'm your host, John Paglisotti, and uh, today we have with us a uh, fellow podcaster, uh, uh, brother of the cloth here, uh, Mr. Tom the Trash Palace Sultan of Winner Gets Nothing Pod. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing fantastic. Great to be on the show, man. Oh, absolutely, man. I'm happy to have you. Uh, Tom, you're talking about a pretty cool record today. What are you talking about? I'm going to be talking about Animal Collective's Strawberry Jam, a uh, favorite of mine. Yeah. Absolutely, man. This was a sweet record. Uh, I had never heard it before, so this was an eye-opening experience. But uh, I think before we do that, uh, we need to shout out uh, a couple socials here. Uh, this podcast, of course, is a part of the Redefining Records uh, musical ecosystem. Uh, check out redefiningrecords.com. It's a music blog. You're going to hear, uh, you know, music reviews, funny stories and things, editorial stuff, as well as uh, Andrew Schultz's uh, wonderful sister pod, Sounds for Thought, where he has musicians come on, excuse me, and talk about their music. Um so check that out, Redefining Records on Instagram, redefiningrecords.com. Um, he's all over the place. Uh, I am John Peglisotti. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Delta Dagger Music. Uh, that's my page. I'll post updates for this pod, my music, personal stuff. That's my do-it-all account. Um, Mr. Tom, why don't you give us some socials? Well, first off, Delta Dagger. That's a pretty badass name. I just want to point that out. But Thank you. Do you, do you know the reference? I don't. I don't, but it just sounds okay. cool. <laughs> that's okay that's okay it's fine all right well uh so for my socials you can check me out i i tweet constantly on um wgn podcast or pod type both in I, i'm the one with the skeleton picture um yeah I, I i use that as my personal account even though it's supposed to be the podcast account i just i'm just tweeting on there constantly other than that uh check me out at the winner gets nothing podcast i'm on all platforms not youtube yet very soon to come but, you know, any of the ones that are audio based, I'm there. Awesome. I love it. Let's talk about music news. Oh, and, and you can follow my personal account if you want. I'm at horny as a job, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't really use that one much. That one's just sitting there. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Let's talk music news. Uh, today in music news, uh, Rolling Stone reports uh, Nike is suing the designer of Little Nas X's Satan shoes. Have you heard about this? Yeah, I did hear about the Satan shoes. Uh, they look pretty sick, to be honest. I mean, if you're into that. <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. They've got the classic uh, black and red color scheme. Uh, hard to go wrong. You know, Darth Vader colors. Uh, it's funny. I've had a uh, family member... Uh, texting the family group chat for several days straight now about these shoes uh, in an absolute uproar probably over them 
Yeah, oh yeah, I was, I was very upset. They weren't just thrilled with these shoes. Like, guys, come on, we're all getting a pair. Oh no, uh, there has been a, a, a tirade, a very one-sided tirade about these shoes. And what's funny is uh, myself and my younger brother uh, both kind of responded to it as like, "This is this is cringe." Like, what? <laughs> like, bro, worshiping Satan hasn't been cool since the 1990s. What What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I I mean, uh, I I get what they do like the majority of like satanists these days are just like political actors like they're trying to make a point so half the time they're not even real this is more of like an arts cultural aspect um they, he can do him i don't i don't really care like i don't think this uh changes anything in my life uh what does it say about the current state of hollywood uh, i i don't know it's at least pro anti-christian <laughs> like I, I don't know yeah are you yeah. yourself uh are you yourself a christian or religious person or i'm i'm part of the biggest religious group in america which is non-practicing catholics so you know <laughs> <laughs> i was one catholic so i'm is that me i i, I got halfway through the process <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm one foot in one foot out funny enough so uh yeah i get you what you, i get what you're saying it's like to me if he wants to make that statement that's fine it's it's clearly made the correct people angry if that's what he was trying to do it is what uh, he's trying to do you can tell <laughs> he's tweeting like people are people are like the state of Hollywood, I'm upset, the children, and he just texts, he just retweets it with, ha Satan. <laughs> Trolling at its max. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is a funny state of affairs, and it's, uh, I don't know, I saw an interesting comment that, you know, Satanism as a whole, it's basically Christianity invented a dude to get mad at, right? <laughs> Although I also see, like, I mean, there's a pushing it, like, dissolving it. I don't want to get too political here, but it's just... Like, I understand why some people are upset because this is like a heavily celebrated large song in the country and it feels like a big shift. Like it went from not just like, hey, you can do what you want to like celebrating the antithesis of what a lot of older people in this country, like the person who's flipping out with the text, believed in. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they yeah. the world jostled a little. I, I don't have a right answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I guess that's right. I mean, that that's true. I guess uh in my heart of hearts, it's not something I would necessarily want celebrated, but, um, yeah, yeah, as, yeah, I guess that's true. I just, I think he, I think more than anything, he's just doing it to be a troll and, and I'm totally fine with that. That's, that's cool with me. Yeah, I like trolling. <laughs> I'm pro, that's where I'm, I'm torn between I'm pro troll and like, I'll leave these guys alone. They've been getting their ass kicked for months now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess the official pod stance is, uh, I am anti Satan, but pro trolling. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Well, yeah <laughs> nice i dig it all right uh dude let's talk about the music uh remind us one more time what album you're talking about oh animal collectives strawberry jam hell yeah dude yeah. why did you pick this album because i know there was a couple you were going between what made this one stick out for you uh this one i mean really it's their hands down my favorite band so i felt like i was betraying them by not using my favorite band for this you know i got one shot here i don't want to mess my chance to blow you know <laughs> right that makes sense i feel that um tell us a little bit about the band like what what was your introduction to animal collective why are they your favorite band uh so the first time i heard them i was in my house uh probably they're 14 14 maybe 15 not sure exactly but i was sitting at my computer and just a buddy of mine he just sent me leaf house which is the album that came out two prior to this one he sent me that and 
I just loved it. It was the most unique music I've ever heard. And I think they've influenced my taste more than anybody. The the band that made me fall in love with music in general was uh, Modest Mouse. Because I remember, and this, this is so strange to me now at this age, but I remember as a child saying, I didn't really like music. Like there was no bands I liked, you know? Like everybody had like some song on the radio they liked. And I was like, I'm not interested. And then Modest Mouse comes along shows me like, oh, like I remember having that thought, oh wait, the album's a whole thing. Like this is all one, it's not individual songs. There's a whole overarching story going here. It, 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 it's selling an emotion. And Animal Collective has just done more for me at selling that than any other band. They sell an experience when they make an album. They, they, they put you in a unique perspective that you maybe, it seems like something that's familiar and has been going on your whole life. It feels like it's poking at some deeper truth that you've known's always been there, but it feels like something brand new and like very out there, like, like something very foreign at the same time, like close to the home and as foreign as possible. And that's what keeps me interested with them. Yeah, it's it's wild you say that, man. You you hit a number of great points there um, in terms of it sounding like weirdly familiar um, uh, and yet totally new at the same time. It's funny. This was my first time listening to uh, Animal Collective. I had heard the name a bunch of times, and and people I know and trust in terms of music uh, had had mentioned them to me before. This was my first time actually listening to them, and it was funny that I heard so many elements that were kind of that like. Oh yeah, this is that mid two thousands kind of indie rock. Uh, I heard a couple of small cliches in there in terms of maybe the vocal delivery or something, but uh, the whole uh, the songs as a whole, it was something totally new. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you real quick how about how old were you when you first uh, heard Animal Collective? Uh, I, I'm thinking fourteen, fifteen. Okay, talk about your middle school music taste is your first buzzword. <laughs> Does that mean I drink? That means you drink. I'm going to be drinking with you. Uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to intro the game. And I screwed up part of the intro. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, <laughs> but I'll intro the game here real quick, guys. If you're tuning in for the first time, bands, beers, and buzzwords, the buzzwords portion. Uh, I have a bingo card here, essentially, of 20 buzzwords. These are words, phrases, tropes uh, that I have specifically tailored uh, for Mr. Tom here, as well as this album. Uh, basically, I'm going to be trying to bait him in into saying these things. And when he says them, uh, he's going to have to drink. I'm going to be drinking along with him. I recommend to the audience, if you are in a uh, safe and responsible place to be doing this, grab a beverage of choice and do this too. Um, what I'll do is I'll cut real quick here and put in uh, the buzzwords for this week so that you guys can play along at home. Uh, you will be omniscient and know when I'm baiting him into something, uh, but you will be able to do nothing about it. So ready and cut. This week's buzzwords are say DIY, use an automatopoeia, talk about your middle school music taste, say mainstream, compare East Coast to West Coast, mention a band you have worked with, Refer to an album made post-1990 as a record. Use the phrase ahead of its time. Recite lyrics. Mention pet sounds. Mention the Beatles. Say the word drink. Mention a part of a drum kit. Tell a drinking story. Describe a sound as warm. Mention a music video. Mention pitchfork. Mention a college. Say vintage and say tribute. 
you're a genius huh? you, you get them to uh to just lubricate their minds at home so they are more receptive to this podcast I yeah have- and then this and then this sounds way better to them right yeah <laughs> um all right welcome back those are the buzzwords for the week i neglected to mention uh tom you've you've given us a great intro and i almost don't even want to ask you this question because you've already proven that we should trust you with that wonderful intro but tom uh who are you and why should we trust you uh you know what i'm 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 nobody you know i'm just nobody that, that that's probably the best way to describe it i blend somewhere into the background uh you you might not see me when i walk past you and that's fine why because there's something i'm really trying to sell here You should trust me because you should trust your own intuition. And that is the only thing I'm trying to sell is that, you know, the kind of music you like deep down. And there's a reason you like it. It's because it meets your perspective and your point of view. And it tickles your fancy in that certain way. And that's the most important thing about music, because I don't think I've ever come across a song that I didn't enjoy. It's if it was a song I didn't right away love and incorporate into my life. It just seemed like a point of view I needed to work through. So understanding Alternate perspectives is what understanding music is all about. I go out there, I try to hear the new stuff, and I try to think of it as, you know, a new mindset to tackle. And uh, I don't get there every time. Believe me, there's artists that I just complain about. Uh, I don't like their messaging. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for the most part, I try to understand it. And that's what that's what I'd recommend you do. So you should trust me if you trust yourself. I love that, dude. That's a beautiful intro. Tom, are you a musician? Um. St- not yet (laughs) (laughs) well hey you've given a better uh intro for yourself and for this album than a lot of actual musicians i've had on this pod i always tell people the initial idea for this pod is it was going to be all musicians coming on and so far i've had a handful of non-musicians come on and i i always say hey look if i have them on the pod you can you can trust them musician or not and uh i think you've you've probably given a better intro than damn near anyone else on this program so good shit man um i gotta ask you do you listen to any uh like zappa um no that's something i haven't gotten into but one person that i see eye to eye on uh well he's he's given me some good um tips i i I, it's it's actually he's more of an acquaintance It's, it's a mysterious person in my life but he he's given me some decent tips and he's a huge zappa fan so i can only imagine the best things from it yeah it's it's uh that's what i would i would challenge you to listen to next he has some pretty accessible stuff and some pretty inaccessible stuff and uh just as a dude uh his whole philosophy on life he's a an interesting guy and i think you would really dig a lot of the stuff that he had to say um i don't know it's something worth checking out um if you want some real weird music recommendations i can tell you but anyways (laughs) um you up for that yeah absolutely all right so we've established that we can trust you. Um, let's hop back into the album, man. So I liked what you were saying about um, Animal Collective presents a really cool uh, experience with this album. And that's something that I totally picked up on here. The album feels really cohesive as a whole. I sat down and listened to this album start to finish myself when I was uh, taking notes on it and studying it. And it was cool to hear how they orchestrated the whole thing start to finish. And it's it's something you don't see all the time nowadays, uh, especially in pop music. And I know that Animal Collective does, at least to an extent, uh, build themselves as a pop band. And, uh, you know, the whole idea behind that and the branding there is is totally something worth exploring. Um, who do you think they were drawing from in terms of this, like, concept album? Like, what, where do you think they were drawing from for that? 
Well, with Animal Collective, you can usually look to the Beach Boys as an underlying influence. It, it feels like it, whether or not they say it, because I don't know if they've ever acknowledged that or accepted that, but it's been repeated many times, that they feel like somehow uh, a modern, more psychedelic Beach Boys. They, they seem to keep that good vibe, that carefree vibe, I think is the best way to describe it, carefree. Because uh, one, of the, one of the lead singers, they kind of have a Beatles vibe where there's two guys, uh, Panda Bear and Avery Tear, who go back and forth as the main singers. Uh, I think there's only been one song where Josh Dibb or Deacon is the singer on an album. And that's one of the newer ones, which is good, but there was like a really core center. I mean, when you have 11 albums, you know there's a sweet spot. And there was four in a row that were just like bangers. But... Uh, I, he explains it as, like, they often get described as childlike, and he doesn't like that description. It's carefree, and he doesn't think that should go away at any age, and I don't either. I dig that. You think this is, like, uh, kind of like Little Deuce Coop and Surfing USA Beach Boys? Yeah, yeah, something close to that. Just just talking about what's cool, what you're doing, what uh, what, what you're enjoying today, and what you're looking forward to, you know? I was I was trying to bait you into one, but you actually got another. <laughs> um, I was trying to bait you into mentioning pet sounds. Uh, you did not, uh, but you did mention the Beatles. That's another buzzword today. <laughs> well, oh, I should say too. I think you said it earlier as well. Say the word "drink" is a drink for you. So, <laughs> double. Oh boy, that's a double. I'm drinking along with you, buddy. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> I shouldn't have started. I started with three before this show. I thought I was getting a. Uh... <laughs> You're getting a solid head start, man. I <laughs> Three before the show is. Uh... Hey, hats off to you, man. That's uh, I, I dig the gusto. This is going to be a good episode. <laughs> I'm running out of chaser, though. That might be an issue. Well, what are you drinking and what are you chasing with tonight? Oh, bottom shelf and some pineapple juice. Oh, boy. Hey, I love it, man. I'm uh, what what's your poison? Uh <laughs> 99. Not proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, brother. I'm drinking a uh what is this? I I tried the uh Kona brand spiked seltzers. So yeah. I poured two of those. It was the guava flavor into a big coffee tumbler and then I poured uh I initially went with tequila, but then I was like, "No, nah, I should be pouring rum in here." So I filled the rest with rum. And so that's what I'm drinking tonight. I'm over here sipping diabetic like nonsense. And you got the <laughs> fancy I'm zero sugar, zero carb, bro. I'm on the I'm on the keto diet, man. Yeah, I'm on that pre-diabetic diet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Um fuck, what were we talking about? Okay, no, you, you hit it. I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hit a you hit a good note on the uh on the uh the, they remind you of Beach Boys and kind of the Beatles. I totally feel that. It's like this weirdly, um, this weirdly, like, you're, you're right, it's a weirdly familiar thing, but the actual uh, soundstage, more or less, is, like, super out there. And what's wild is that this album is actually fairly old now, uh, and yet it sounds so fresh. Um, there's a band that I, uh, I'll probably talk, talk about them a little later, but... I thought this album actually was kind of a precursor to some uh, artists later on. We, we'll probably get to it. There's one specific song I want to talk about where I'm going to bring up one of my favorite bands. And I think 
this band influenced them. But do you want to run through the track list here? We could go through it song by song. You could pick out like what's your favorite song, least favorite song. How do you want We're to do going it? through this song by song because picking a favorite one is really difficult. It's tough, man, especially because it's so cohesive. It's like you can't have one without the other almost. And, um, and another thing about this album, I feel like I don't know why there's a pressure to keep your best stuff up in like the first three tracks. Like there's always like there's a peak in a lot of albums that happens right in the beginning because you don't want to lose somebody. You don't want to have them like halfway through the album. They somehow like it might be an older mindset, too, because nowadays you're going for singles. Put it wherever you want. Like put your top three bangers at like three songs in six songs in and nine songs in, you know, so you have some things to, to lean on. But it it doesn't seem to do this with this album. It just seems to me th- like messages that resonate at different points throughout the album. And it, it feels really complete. It feels like it works its way through an entire story while sometimes meaning nothing at all. Yeah, uh, but that's fine. It's like, it doesn't have to mean anything. I, I got the sense from this album that it's a, it's about uh, sounds, you know, it's, it's like kind of, you mentioned earlier, it's an experience. It's not necessarily a, uh, a uh, story told through lyrics per se, but it's a, it's a journey that you go on uh, via sound, you know, the same way you'd watch a film and it's a visual thing. Um, this is a, an auditory journey. And I love that, man. In my own music too, I, I love to put a fat banger right up front of the album, but it's got to be an instrumental. Yeah. I love doing an instrumental first to kind of like one, it has to be kind of like putting your fat dick down on the table, like, bam, check it out. I'm fucking good at what I do. But also it's like an instrumental one. It's going to be weird. It's going to be out there. And then the rest of the album, I kind of like putting the best songs. Uh, you know, I like to have a banger up front, but it's a weird instrumental one. A couple songs in, put a, a fat one. And then like towards the end, I have a big one. Uh, so I, this shit resonated with me where it has these ebb and, and flow, kind of this uh, these lulls and these valleys and then peaks. And I, I fucking loved it, man. Enough jib jabbering. Let's go, man. Peace Bone. What do you think about Peace Bone? Opening peace track. Bone. Bonefish. All right. A Peace Bone got found in a dinosaur wing. Uh, well, I've been jumping all over, but my views are slowly shrinking. <laughs> It's just lyrics like this, just right off the bat, that throw you. Well, you know what? No, you know, no, no, I'm moving too far ahead of myself. Forget about, the lyrics. Forget about the lyrics. Let's go back to two seconds ago. This is it's just the opening. The intro. You got to talk about the intro. And musically, the intro is super interesting. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Exactly. The 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 opening. It's it's obviously uh, what's what's the word for that? Um, not oscillated. What is that? Uh, yeah, it's pulsing or arpeggio. Yeah, the arpeggio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The arpeggio, uh, just playing over and over again. Uh, just this, this, what seems like this all over the place, just nonsense beat. Like it doesn't feel like it's following any kind of track. It's all these all over the place things. Slowly, their frequencies tie up and create a repetitive beat. You start to feel the bass and you start to feel the album really come in and it starts to fo- follow a pace from what seemed like complete chaos to a real organized structure. And you feel as that kick drum comes in, it all ties together. And, yes, uh, it feels like they pull it out of the it's like the whole album has this kind of like the arpeggios. Uh, it sounds like there's multiple keyboards doing arpeggios and you're right. They're not synced up. It's, it's and it's. And it's uh, the whole album almost has this undertow of like these beep boops going on in the background. And it's you get this sense that, uh, you know, the band came and and there was this 
universe of beeps and boops that existed out there and they 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 pulled from that and made the music from that like it's that's the underlying uh background radiation you know and, and they and they took that and made the music from it it's like the whole album has this kind of undertow of beep boop kind of chaos and and yet there's uh, uh like structured music coming out of it and it, it was cool as hell i I loved that when they synced up. The other part they fuck with you too is because they take the arpeggios that are chaotic and suddenly they put a pulse to it. You're right. The bass drum comes in, they put a pulse to it. Uh, And then when the vocals come in, you realize that the pulse is in three. It's not in four, it's in three. So your ear instantly grabs onto this. Oh, here's the pulse. Here's the beat. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And then the vocals come in and it's one, two, three, one, two, three. And you're like, fuck, oh, it's a waltz. Like they fuck with you a second time. Beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) Oh, also, I got to stop you too. Recite lyrics. That's one of the buzzwords. (laughs) All right, here we go again. (laughs) You were like, you were like in the beginning, you're like, wait, let me pull up the lyrics for every single song. I was like, please pull up the lyrics for every song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this has never been done before is how you describe yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. I'm like, I'm glad you did your homework, brother. I... <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh, uh, that moment of silence for everyone at home who's playing. It just went through what I went through. Yeah. It was a spicy yeah. little throw. Hit. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, But, dude, yes. Okay. So this song you're so right the crazy arpeggios they sync up you start to hear the semblance of music come out of it um it turns into this pulse it's this three four thing um keep keep talking on it keep talking on it you started going into some lyrics i'd love to hear more about those well what i really like about uh peace bones lyrics and you'll see this later on in a few other songs but there's not really much structure here there when when you were describing it as like you were describing it as like an audio experience, but it like semi-visual experience too. They really paint a picture for you. They just say interesting words that kind of provoke your mind to just go off into nonsense land. And because of that, the lyrics don't really matter. It gives you a lot of time to move around. You can just listen to the song 10 times over. And if you just focus on one lyric and go off into La La Land of whatever you're thinking about, you can just evolve on that so many times. Like, uh, I was a jugular vein and a juggler's girl. It doesn't really mean much, but it just creates this imagery in your head of at least several colors. I mean, jugular, I mean, you know, you got your reds, you got your, I don't know. I, it just, it, 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 might, it might sound ridiculous just to be thinking of all these colors and stuff. When you're relaxing and thinking about it, it really gives you time to play with these concepts, you know? Right. You're just, you're just mulling the, the words over. It's like you're chewing a piece of fat from a steak and you're just kind of mulling it over. And even if you spit the fat out at the end, it was so enjoyable. You know, it's just this kind of, it was super interesting. Like that first lyric where he sings about, there was a peace bone found in a dinosaur. What what was that lyric again? It was, he found a peace bone in a dinosaur. You almost had a perfect, yeah, it was a peace bone got found in a dinosaur wing. I think you pretty much said that. Yeah. Like, when I heard that, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, a dinosaur? It's, it's a dinosaur. Uh-huh. You're dead. You crazy son of a bitch, you're dead. Like, what? Like, <laughs> it was just like a wild thing to think about. It was just kind of like, 
we're talking about dinosaurs now. What is a peace bone? They found a peace bone in a dinosaur. Like what? Like it was just kind of this like it was just fun to listen to. Like it took my mind places. You're totally right. It was fun to just kind of like ponder that. Like, what does that mean? Like I'm, I'm coming up with images in my mind. Like what, you know, and that's why know. we call to like the carefree nature of it. They call it childlike. Cause it feels like it's like an imagination project. Like you go into here, you hear the lyrics and it just, your mind's just going between all this different pictures of nonsense words. But I don't I don't think that should be restricted to childhood. That imagination is something that needs to be available as an adult. I think it makes us grow as people. Absolutely, man. It's like you need to brush the cobwebs off your neural pathways every now and then, you know? Really? But uh I mean you got the chorus here of uh while half of my fingers are dipped in the sand, you progress in letters, but you use to cook your broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's nonsense the other side of takeout is mildew on rice and an obsession of the past or and an obsession with the past is like a dead fly just a few of the things are related to the old times and when we did believe in magic and when we did die there's not much words that you should follow but your insides just your insides adjust your insides you're just an inside that's almost uh I didn't I didn't pick up uh those lyrics when I listened to it, but that's almost a perfect kind of uh set of instructions to the listener for the rest of the album in a way, you know? Really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. It's it's something I've talked about fucking Pink Floyd on this pod so many goddamn times. I've I I fucking but it reminds me of like uh, breathe Pink Floyd. You know, you come in and it's 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 almost like instructions for the listener of what's to come. You know, um, for the You're rest only of the a, a wall kind of guy. I've listened to the wall uh, start to finish, but I haven't heard. Well, Pink you, Floyd. you you want to you want to talk about middle school music taste, man? Uh, most people were into like kind of emo pop punk in middle school. My emo phase was like Pink Floyd, the Wall, like. Bro, I fucking went deep on that shit. I saw the wall live. I saw Roger Waters perform the wall. Do you see the live. laser ones? Uh, the what ones? The laser ones. Well, he had fucking lasers. He had the school teacher, bro. Okay, I saw him at the fucking pond out here. You don't, you don't know the pond, huh? Uh, no, absolutely not. The the Arrowhead Pond, man. The Mighty yeah. Ducks. Uh, okay. Quick break. You're you're over on the East Coast, right? Uh yeah. Where where are you based out of? As much as you're comfortable saying, where are you based out of? Uh Massachusetts. I mean South South I'm, Massachusetts. I'm away on my podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm in Southern California and out here we have the uh I, I just thought people should know that, listeners. Uh you're actually, hey, you get the award. Wait, are you further east than uh than uh Boston? Yes. Right? You're further east than Boston. Yes. Okay. You're the furthest east guest I've ever had on this program. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, what was I saying? Okay, I'm here in Southern California. We have the Arrowhead Pond. That's where the Mighty Ducks play. And I went and saw Roger Waters perform The Wall in its entirety at the pond. So big, you know, hockey stadium. Yeah. And the guy has, you know, of course, there's all this crazy light show and lasers and shit. And then at one point, uh, they shut down all the lights. And it's, uh, you know, right before... Um, uh, fucking uh, another brick in the wall part one right another brick in the wall for everyone yep. there's like the helicopter sound so there's like the helicopter sound going around the stadium 
and there's this fucking light. They had a guy up on a big like boom or something. I don't know how they moved him around the stadium, but there was this guy with a spotlight moving around the stadium. And there was a speaker on the bottom of him doing the helicopter noise. <laughs> so it's like a helicopter was flying over, pointing the spotlight. Everybody's looking at it like, what the fuck? And suddenly they light up stage right. And there's this like 30 foot tall uh, marionette of the school teacher with like flames coming out of his eyes and shit. He's like, you, yes, you stand still, laddie. It was like the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen, man. It's like so, the uh, big ass blue guy with the monocle. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. They had that fucking guy. He appeared. He was like 30 feet uh, tall, man. They They shut all the lights down and within like, 60 to 120 seconds they had that fucker lit him up right there he's screaming at the audience you yes you i was like what the fuck it was insane man the wall show was fucking crazy no i i had a buddy who went to one of a similar thing didn't sound as intricate as what you went to go see but he went to go see something like that he was telling me it was i don't know told me that probably while i was still in high school but it sounded badass (laughs) yeah I was probably in middle school or high school when that happened. That was an insane show. Anyways, Pink Floyd. I talk about them almost every episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is why I feel I need to incorporate it more into my life because as uh, you're not like that's not uncommon for a music podcast to be talking about Pink Floyd quite often. I, I understand they they broke a lot of ground. They did. They did. I could send you some stuff. If all you know is the wall, I, I could send you some some Pink Floyd stuff. I had an episode, my last episode that I released with Robert, my buddy Robert, I had to cut out a whole discussion about Pink Floyd because it took out too much time. But anyways, um, where were we? We were talking about... Um, we were doing some of the lyrics on Animal Collective's uh, Peace Bone. We were doing that one. And I, I think really the, the best way, because you were saying it was a good precursor to the album, an obsession with the past is like a dead fly. Just a few things are related to the old times when we did believe in magic and we did die. It's not my words that you should follow. It's your insides. You're just an inside. Adjust your insides. You're an inside. Uh, I really do think that's the best way to really give an explanation of what you should be feeling throughout the rest of the album. Like they set you up for it. It's, it's a, uh, a like like they're they're arguing for the past like they're arguing for some of the simpler times some of the, like the easier parts of your life the real childhood like experiences like your first fireworks show uh just the comfort of your mother being enough and all these other things like the real simplicities of life before it got overexposed to all these other ideas you have to keep track of just when everything was basic and meant on or your day-to-day was hell-bent on being happy by the time you went to bed. Real, real, yet again, I know they don't like it compared childhood-like activities, but it shouldn't be childhood-like. This should be something people go on to do in their everyday lives. Like, experience something youthful and pleasurable and comforting. I was going to say real quick, did, uh, when we were talking about the intro, did you mention the kick drum coming in? Yep. Is that a shot? Mention a part of a drum kit is a buzzer. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. I get distracted from them too. Um. <laughs> uh, ch- 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 there's no way I fucking one, two, ch- three. Uh. Oh, here it is. All right. I know I didn't drink all my shots. I have them sprinkled around my feet. 
I'm taking <laughs> the nips right now. I'm not, which is not good for the environment. Somebody shame me. Send, send me shame on Twitter. Shame. <laughs> shame. <laughs> we have I'm surprised I haven't been shamed yet for this program. I've had some I've had some somewhat outrageous shit on this program and I've never been shamed for it. So we're we're still getting there. I don't think we're big enough to get shamed for it yet, but hopefully here's hoping. Well, that's actually a little bit of uh the name behind my podcast is I expect to get shamed eventually because I speak my mind. Uh winner gets nothing is essentially if we're famous enough to really deal with uh the repercussions of that. Well, that's success in its own. Somebody- you will get nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you will you will get torn down by the woke scolds on the internet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's uh it's it's really what it's a protest against. It's it's just you know, come for us any day. I don't know. We're, we're doing us. We're trying to be happy. And once once we're outdated, I guess we'll go away. You'll you'll ban us off the internet. Who cares? <laughs> exactly. The the time will come eventually. All all things must pass. I had I've had a couple people on. I, I had a buddy who came on, and like I generally don't push back against anything my guests say. I you know whatever they want to say, I'll I'll generally egg them on. In fact, because it's kind of it's fun, it's funny, it's often hilarious and provocative but i had a guest who who was saying like uh i hope uh he said like i hope donald trump and mike pence die and i was like you hope that their characters on gta 5 online die and he was like ah yes that's what i hope okay <laughs> it's like hey, we gotta back a little bit up here like yeah uh, we only speak in terms of minecraft okay exactly we can't it's you know we i we we've we've shit talked every president for the last three four presidents on this program but when we start talking about people dying we, yeah, okay we need to back up a little bit from there okay that's that's one rule so <laughs> <laughs> um bro unsolved mysteries track two let's talk about it unsolved mysteries okay so uh here's where we're diving into uh some of the uh some some of the lyrics where it's um well well this one has more of a story it's not as unstructured like this one obviously does take into some account what it's what it's talking about like it's not all over the place with its imagery the imagery though is a parent growing up to realize their child's somewhat of a monster and and they compare that monster with to realize they're jack the ripper they say jack the ripper as like the repeated quote the whole time but um i mean it 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 takes into account a lot of a lot of like the structure of (laughs) i don't know i feel like i'm trying to sound too smart for what i'm talking about (laughs) hey you've been crushing it so far so (laughs) i don't know they uh yeah, it, it, it's a parent dealing with the fact that the child doesn't always turn out what they've intended to be and the how much you've intended as a parent to put this kind of like work into your child and maybe they don't always turn out what you thought they'd be like. Uh, it, it's it's I don't know. It's uh, it's a lot to investigate because it, it, it's an interesting thought. Like, I mean, you as yourself like with this. All right, so with this becoming like a coming of age album for me, like I was 15, it really helped me dive back and forth between these two ideas. And I feel like this is why I go towards the carefree vibe of Animal Collective than the childlike vibe because the carefree vibe really resonates throughout the entire album of trying to deal with things at different ages. Like they bring up the childhood like aspects of all these ideas, the wonderment, like the 
just feeling how you are in the moment and all these other things, but they contrast it with an adult trying to deal with the repercussions of not taking that stuff enough seriously. And it just goes back and forth between the entire dynamic. Like I feel like it was a perfect album to hear when I was 15 because I I understand the childlike wonderment of like some of the songs, but also understand the responsibility that's coming with growing up and being the, um, you know, I, I you're you're uh what what's the word? I don't know. You you channel your energy into a child's mindset. You have to raise somebody afterwards, right? So like, there's this wonderment that goes on in the world. There's this youthful like transition you can go through, but on the other side, you need to realize it's not just about transitioning out of that. You got to help the next generation go through it themselves. So it right. plays on a lot of themes, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. I it's uh same thing. I didn't quite. I didn't listen to the lyrics closely enough to pick that up, but I did pick up the Jack the Ripper reference and it's interesting. It's um, it does provide a, a, like a total counterpoint to the whole album. And it's interesting that they chose the second song to do that, considering that the first song, uh, you know, at least in our canon is something that like uh, sets up a, like here, here's what the whole album is going to be about. Here's uh, we're going to prime you for what the whole album is. And then the second song almost tears that whole thing down. You know, it's, it's like, well, here's a completely different take on that whole set of ideas. It's interesting that they, uh, that they do that. It, it takes it, it builds it up and then tears it down again. It's a, it's a very interesting move and it's, it's, something that's uh pretty like self-aware which is interesting because the next song chores uh i actually have in my notes here chores was the first song on the album that i put a little star next to i put a little star next to ones that i particularly enjoyed and chores i put a little it was the first one i put a star next to and at the very end of my notes uh i said that Oh, no, I actually saved that for a different song. But at the end of this one, it, I, I detected it was the first time they shifted into kind of a minor key, kind of a minor mode. Um, and it at the very outro of that song, and it felt a little more self-serious than uh, the rest of the, the they're the preceding songs, at least. Um, my self-serious comment is actually reserved for another song. But they kind of, uh, in the third track, introduce the minor mode, right? The first two tracks are very major very happy mm-hmm. the third track chores actually starts with the most upbeat chipper kind of uh to me chipper kind of uh riff and uh delivery of the whole record uh at least up until that point and then uh ends with this kind of like um droning almost minor outro but uh, to me it was highly effective do you want to talk about track number three chores at all absolutely i mean this is one of the this is one of the best albums on the track uh or tracks on the album on the album yeah track on the album there you go (laughs) anyway uh yeah no i mean this is this is kind of what it's all about like while the first like you were saying that the comparison before between the first two is it it puts a lot of this pressure on a person then it goes into like a childlike state of being like hey well you gotta forgive yourself you know you you uh things things get more complicated you know or Actually, vice versa. Peace Bone words just like very disconnected. And um shoot, what's it what is it? Uh Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries. Okay, yeah. This one too. This one. Uh I mean the the pain of growing up, you know, that's what like Unsolved Mysteries talks about. It's uh 
it's something that escapes you. But uh, to this one, this one's just one of those simplistic songs that you can just enjoy for a minute and just really take a breather in the album. You can just sit there and just say, yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, smoking a joint after doing all my chores and getting all the bullshit adult shit I had to get out of the way. It's really good, man. I really mm-hmm. like to take my freaking tincture, couple freaking shots and just hang out. Pop an edible. I don't know. Just hang out. Maybe have a sip of whiskey. Whatever it is. It's it's your relaxation at the end of the day. And it's something that everybody needs. And I I think it's something that's just not visited in much music. Like people talk about, you know, when they talk about relaxation, they talk about usually it in a show offy way. And it feels like a nice song to just be like, I want to relax by myself. You know, maybe a little uh Jimmy Buffett, cheeseburger in paradise kind of shit, but yeah. Just want to get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I feel it. It's actually that's actually a great point because George uh starts with probably the highest BPM kind of it has this upbeat uh it's a literal upbeat. They're playing on the upbeat. Um and it's this very upbeat, high BPM kind of intro. And then the outro, they just kind of hang out on this droning melodic. It's the first time in the album they introduce like kind of a minor tonality but they don't go super minor with it like they're not hitting the uh minor seven like you know, or the sixth or, or uh what the fuck anyways the minor third rather uh they're not hitting that from like a music theory standpoint they're just doing this minor pentatonic thing uh i don't know musicians you know what the fuck i'm saying real musicians are probably oh you fucking idiot don't talk about the six it's the third anyways um they go to a very simple minor kind of pentatonic uh drone for the outro and they just hang on it and i fucking loved that part of the song the the first couple songs on here um were super fucking interesting to me and they were very out there from like a kind of an academic perspective the first time for me that i was able to like drop into one of these songs and like really fucking get into one of these songs was the outro to chores you know the first two tracks were fucking great it was cool i loved it but chores the outro where they go to that kind of just minor pentatonic and you hear some guitar and they're just kind of doing this droning thing uh that i fucking got into like that was something um that i was really able to vibe out to and it almost is that idea of like first half of the song we're doing this you know this upbeat kind of bam 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 thing it's like you're running around all day doing your chores ba, 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 doing your chores uh and then you get home and you just you're just, just drowning on the one note drowning on the one note just chilling just kicking it ba, 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 and it's like the work kick. towards that it's the work towards that the whole time where you're right. trying to get to that relaxation like of course right. more upbeat in the beginning and yeah when you finally get there and there's no one watching yeah no yeah. one watching yeah it's it's time to relax it's nice. Yeah, I love it, dude. I love it. Hey, do you listen to Caillou's at all? Caillou, like the Caillou's? No, <laughs> Caillou. Hey, do you watch Caillou, bro? Yeah, if you if you read some like Caillou lore, bro, that shows deep. No, <laughs> Caillou's. <laughs> Caillou's. It was like Josh Homme's band before. Oh, Josh uh, from uh, Queens from, of the Stone Age. Uh, yeah, before so Queen before Queens of the Stone Age. Josh Holmes was uh, it was called uh, Caius. It was like really? him and yeah, K Y U S S. What was Caius? Desert Sessions in that? Because he was part of that too. Of what? Desert Sessions. 
Well, that's another thing too. Josh Hom, Josh Hom is in like twenty five bands. I know okay? he's a really. There's a band. There's a band called called Caius. You should look them up. They're fucking cool. Oh, as hell. actually, this was prior to Desert Sessions. Yeah, yeah. This is like early nineties. It's like ninety three, ninety four. Uh, they're cool as fuck. I was man. born, so give me a break. <laughs> me too. They and it, Josh just played guitar on this shit. Like it was just a pure. Uh, and they have this song. It was. It's actually a cover. The song is called Catamaran. And if you want to hear like the vibiest song ever that you can just like hang out and like smoke a joint to, it's Catamaran by Caius. It's you actually have, a cover. You have a long list of things to send me. You listen. To I do. Cover? I. I. Well, first of all, I need to send you like six Pink Floyd albums. Yes. <laughs> and then I need have like two Caius albums to send you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, send me the good so, stuff. So chores, okay. I love chores. It's the first time they introduce a minor sound uh, on the album, which is an insanely cool choice to me that they wait this long to do it and also choose the most upbeat song, I think, on the whole album to introduce that at the end. Uh, Crazy artistic choice. Uh, The next song, I also had a little star next to, and that is called uh, For Reverend Green. What do you think about For Reverend Green? I think a lot of good things about it, but I'd actually like to take this in a different way right now. Uh, let's yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. The artwork. Let's talk about the artwork on it right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I feel like Reverend Green's a great time to bring it up because this song feels like it meets the album cover more than anything. Like, there's a lot of different elements going on to this one, and we're going to get into it when we start talking about it. But as for the album cover... There's something going on here. The smashed strawberry and the uh, like, the syrupy liquids that are left behind around it for the album cover, contrasted on the bright white of the background, it it just looks so amazing, and it feels like what the album's kind of about. Like with these like milky dark, like I don't know what it is. It's like the the crush of the strawberry. It looks really cool. And they've obviously poured something on it too. There's like some ink or something, but it feels like it meets all these like cool vibes of like these, these deep, like murky parts they have in the album where they have like so many scents coming on, like the opening of the album and just still so many beautiful colors that pierce through and remind you of some just whimsical fun to be had. You know, there's so much like bright, like every color, is available here you, I, you get your blues and that little fading thing right above uh the top with the stripes some green from the stem reds and blacks and whites from the glistening off the strawberries it just the the album cover itself really sells the vibe of the album Ugh, it album. does um tom tom i'm gonna i'm gonna advance yeah i'm gonna advance yeah one of the trivia questions here done it in the past i'm gonna advance yeah trivia question uh, where does the album cover come from? What was the inspiration for it? Well, the inspiration for it was uh, this guy, one of the members, Panda Bear. They're two of the main influences. Like, you know, you got it with your Beatles. You got your Paul McCartney and you got your John Lennon. Those are the guys who are talking more than everybody else, making a bunch of extra deals, running how the money's going. And the other two guys are just there for the jam. You know how it is. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so um, really, you got that kind of going on with this group. And the two main members throughout every project, all 11 albums and nine EPs, have been Avery Tear and Panda Bear. They've been consistent. And they, uh, say your question again. I, I, I know. Uh, what, what, was the, what was the inspiration for the album cover? 
Oh, all right. So uh, Panda Bear's inspiration, because he's one of the main members, yeah. was he was sitting on an airplane and he saw as he spread spra- uh, strawberry jam all over his uh, piece of toast that he was on a plane with. He spread it around and he thought, this is what I want the album to feel like. I want this glossy, smooth, like palatable, nice sound that everybody experiences, but I want it to be somewhat natural and somewhat synthetic like strawberry jam is like it's obviously it's fruit particles that we've smashed down but with the smoothness they squirt out of that little container it's looking like something synthetic like something almost metallic i don't know you're absolutely right and that you nailed that trivia fucking question man you you fucking nailed that let's take a shot how's this go uh no you got it right so you don't have to take a shot i mean if you'd like to take a shot i'm also i've had enough you want to take a shot i'll take a drink with you right now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna catch the next one I have to. I think uh, okay. this show makes me nervous. I feel like I need to, I need to hit you. Oh, you're you're I need to I need to reel you back in with a couple of these here. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, you brought up a great point, and there's like something I wanted to say. Um, actually, here's what I wanted to say. You mentioned that Panda Bear is like one of the two main members of this band. Yeah. Why don't you explain just real quick? Uh, what does that mean? Like, cause this band doesn't quite function like uh, a lot of other bands do. Like what, you know, what does that mean? How, do, how does animal collective, you know, they're a collective. What, what does that mean? How do they work? You just, you just summed it up. You hammered it on twice. Collective collective is the, the entire term that's going on there. This band has uh, where it started. It was two. It was the two guys I've mentioned, you know, your Paul McCartney, your John Lennon, your Avery Tear, your uh Lennon Noicks, I think is his name. Uh but um or Panda Bear is his other name. David Portnoy, I think is the other guy. But they 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 were the Barstool the- guy. Oh, wait, you're right. No, that's Dave Portnoy. You're totally right. I was right. gonna say one of our sponsors, we actually a uh, sister podcast is Call Her Daddy Podcast. Um, that's your sister podcast? Yeah, th- those girls. I'm, I'm tight. I'm actually. I'm. I'm tight with those girls. Yeah. Holy shit! You do actually. I, I. I actually kind of have like a weird. There's a long story. I'm not gonna go into it. Anyways, I've heard "Call Her Daddy." I can only imagine how weird it gets. Good for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We have no relation to "Call Her Daddy" whatsoever. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> you do that when you want to do that. All right. <laughs> Give me a okay. That's all I got. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, uh, where were we at? I got Forever Green on my Animal screen. Collective. So, like, how did how did Animal Collective start? It was like, like, because yeah. th- this is not quite like most other bands. Well, not not quite like most other bands. I mean, they they were friends when they were younger, and they've they've grown up and worked differently. It, it sounds like Avery Tear and Panda Bear, uh, two of the members, worked together for quite some time. And eventually they started working on stuff that they liked so much that two of their friends got introduced to the band. They didn't really get into those, into that level of like it being an entire collective until years later. And because of that, three albums that they produced together under Avery Tear and Panda Bear, they decided to make part of the Animal Collective. And collective's just, I mean, the obvious keyword. They, they've added more members, they've changed members over time. And, uh, it's it's changed how it works for uh, what album they're making that year. And you really, really, like, for me, 
Why I love new music is I love a new point of view. I've talked about, I talked about that earlier on. I love a new point of view. And this is a band that has changed their, not maybe not point of view, but style up 11 times. Every single album really feels different. And there feels like blocks too. Like you'd probably section it out into three sections. Like there's a sweet midpoint of battling back and forth between that psychedelic and mainstream uh, some more mainstream high produced albums and some like really hard to get into like cryptic static albums almost like they're just noise. They, they really like some of their best albums are difficult to get into, but once you get there, it's worth it. Like they almost make you wait around for it. Like spirit, they're gone spirit. They're vanished. I mean, you can listen to a song for like six minutes and then all of a sudden it's like, this is what I waited for. This was the bit I needed, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about strawberry jam. Sorry. Um, I need to show you some some Zappa, man. Yeah, you're my real- favorite. My favorite Zappa album is like really kind of silly and out there. It's like it's cool shit. It's silly and out there. But once you're like thirty five minutes into the album, they hit a song and you're just like, oh motherfucker, this is good. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's fucking. So when you talk about like, you have to wait a long time into a song and then you hit a point and you're just like, oh fuck. Like, I'm going to show you some Zappa, man. I, I got to show you some Zappa. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, Zappa, Pink Floyd, what else? I, I have like 10 things to show you. Okay. Um, how would you describe the first uh, Animal Collective thing? Because I know it was like recorded on like their grandmother's porch or something. Uh, what do you say? The first Animal Collective thing, like earlier albums? Uh, yeah, there was one that was like recorded on their grandmother's porch or something, and they tried to record it like all the way through. Um, I'd have to real quick look that up. Uh, I think their uh, origin, Animal Collective Childhood Friendship, Baltimore County, Noah Lennox and Josh Dibb were in the second. Which, all right, so it was Justin. Anyway, uh, they were. Where, where did where did they meet? They met in Baltimore, and from what I've heard, uh, I'm looking this up right now as we speak, but from what I've heard prior is that they didn't really have a musical influence, is the fact that they lived kind of in, like, bum country Maryland. They didn't have much anything. Like, nobody around them really liked music, and they kind of just made everything up themselves. Like, they were just going off of some, I don't know, animalistic vibes they just felt. They they really didn't have anything to compare themselves to, and it took a long time for them to get influences because they just didn't have much music around. There was no scene, you know? They were kind of doing it themselves, right? Yeah. Like, like so, like, how would you describe that? Uh, I mean... Like, do it yourself. Yeah, DIY music right there. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna count it. Come say on. DIY. Say DIY. <laughs> you said D. You said DYI, but I'm gonna count you. Um, <laughs> it had been a while since you had got one. All right. <laughs> oh, I, oh, you're right. It's DIY, not DYI. DIY. Fuck it. I know what you meant. Um, uh, after you take this shot, I want you to kind of like sing for me. We're moving on to, okay. We already started talking about for Revan Green. I want you to kind of like hum or sing the Revan Green like riff. All right. So I'm singing Revan Green. Okay. How does it, just the riff, just the riff, not the lyrics. Yeah. 
Wait, so verse one. All right, yeah, I'm I'm doing verse one. That's all, as I said. All right, from one. <laughs> no, just just the riff, not not the lyrics. Just how like how does the synth sound or the guitar or whatever? You can even do the drums. How did the drum beat come in? Oh, oh, so I'm supposed to. All right. Um. Shit, dude. All right, you got me on nervous. <laughs> no. <laughs> How's how's the drum beat on a um a superstition Stevie Wonder? How's the drum beat go? Use an onomatopoeia is one of the buzzwords. Use okay, use use an onomatopoeia is one of the buzzwords. All right. <laughs> Done one moment. Okay. I had to get you out another one. You had to find something, bro. I ran out. Go refill. You can refill if you want right now. I'll pour a little more into mine real quick, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't find anything. I'm texting my brother right now to see if he's got anything. <laughs> so, he does, though. I know he does. That's why I'm texting him. Wait. Oh, there you go. What? Wait, shit. Like, actually, yeah. Let me talk to him real quick. Let's see. Yeah. I got it going through here. Yeah. Yo. Hello? Yeah. What's up? Yeah, you got any beer? I do. I have some. Yeah, I have some IPAs up here. All right, let me get one of those. I'm fucking still doing that drinking show. I ran out of alcohol. Yeah, come grab. You're some. on with the guy, actually. Say what's up, bro. Oh, oh what's up? <laughs> what's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Greetings from California. <laughs> Hell yeah! It's going good though, man. We're like halfway through. We got up to Reverend Green. Wait, that's awesome. So what? You just like listen through and kind of like talk about each song or it's like a bunch of stuff i mean it's like uh, a little behind the music little fucking you know yeah that's cool yeah it's fun I'll be all right in a minute all right sounds good all right see you. all right see you back in a minute yeah send it i'm back welcome back <laughs> all right um that one i fucking just took me a little while to get that <laughs> what okay how how cold is it out there right now did you have to put on like a jacket to go and 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 do this like what what's the situation out there? i actually am wearing a jacket right now and if i could do this but it has nothing to do with the show itself it has to do with me being cheap as fuck because i've been staying at my girlfriend's house right now and meanwhile my studio is about to be finished next week and right now we've been using my old apartment as the studio. I've been paying. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So uh, essentially right now I am not turning the heat on. I'm just like in three layers to not pay heat at the apartment that I pay for separately than the girlfriend's <laughs> house. Because her house is, I mean, other than the animal fur, it's much nicer. You know, there's just a lot of pets. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of pets? 
It's like two like shrimp ass dogs and like two cats, and they're all. Oh my god, it's yeah. a menagerie. Oh, and one big ass dog. Like she's got like she's got two little fucking like, and like one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Fuck me, dude. I've I've never had a pet in any one of my houses, and I can only imagine like I. Like I love dogs. I actually love cats too. I I grew up a uh, quote unquote dog person, but 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 I became a cat person too. I like both now. It's like both I I like. Uh, so I guess I'm just like a big animal guy. I'm like Tarzan or something. But they I have never owned a pet just because I I fucking I don't know. Like I just can't justify it. Um, no, I, feel I don't you. want like an I, animal I in my house. Pet. I did yeah. it. I did it for a little while, and honestly, it's like too much work. Like I, I did it in the best way possible. Like I tried it out for like a temporary situation because what I did as I got or my girlfriend was asking at the time. My girlfriend was asking for a cat, so I'm like, "We got a cat, but it's your cat." And so we did like a year with that cat, and then uh, in kind of like a weird situation too because I uh, I don't I don't really live conventionally like I had with this girl. I was uh, I was working at a job at the time, and I knew I was gonna have to move within a year. And I said, "I'm not moving another person across the country," because I've done that before, and uh, I'm not I'm not your support system. I'm not good at it. That's it. That's all I'm gonna yeah. tell you. Yeah. So I I just I'm bad at it, and uh, I just didn't want to do it a second time. I had already moved somebody across the country who did not live there, and when you're the only person they know, they're not ready for it. I move around quite a bit, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, she um, yeah, I don't know. Wasn't having it. I don't know. Yeah, I feel it, dude. I was I was moving around quite a bit for a long time. I feel that I was luckily all within like southern slash central california but that's still like a where i, I did know. it that's where i Probably. did it. i was is that where you uh, did it yeah no shit are you from wait okay where'd you live uh i'm i'm a massachusetts guy right now but i lived uh in virginia arizona a bunch of different places no shit yeah arizona was the most time i spent though i love tucson i spent about five years there no shit yeah Tucson's a great place, dude. Arizona is actually a really cool state. I've like weirdly like been out there. Uh, have I been to Tucson? I've definitely been to Phoenix and Flagstaff. I don't know if I've been to Tucson. Funny I, uh, though, it's yeah. where our albums recorded. That is where the albums recorded. Uh, I want you to forget about that though. Okay. I want you to forget that you know that information. Okay. All right. Sorry. Promise. Promise you're gonna forget that for later. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> that may or may not be a trivia question so <laughs> but here's the thing i padded the deck okay fuck off all right never mind okay <laughs> but yeah dude i've uh i grew up in like orange county california and then went to school in santa barbara california but then i lived in santa barbara moved up to san luis obispo california i worked in santa maria california lompoc california it's all uh kind of like central coast california I don't know if you're familiar with the area, but I got a, a huge taste for like weird ass spots in California, like places that are uh, in between Los Angeles and San Francisco, like these weird forgotten parts of California that are super interesting and weird. And uh, I don't know. I've, I've been all over there. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't really know that area, to be honest. Yeah. 
Nobody does. Most, most it's it's like Lompoc's like twenty five thousand people live there. It's like nothing. It's fucking. <laughs> All right. Ready. Welcome back. back. Yeah. All right. Welcome back, folks. What were we talking about? We were talking about for Reverend Green. Uh, do you want to move on to fireworks? Might as well. Forever in Green, I'll say that's one of those like unsolved mysteries episodes that you can only kind of take the meaning from. It it's all over the place again. So there's no point in focusing on it. But it does explore a lot of different vibes that I don't think you should be the same person the entire time you hear this album. You should really come back at different points in your life and see how it treats you because it's fun stuff. But let's move on. Fireworks. Yeah, fireworks. I was going to say for Reverend Green too, six minutes, 34 seconds. And then we move on to fireworks, six minutes, 50 seconds. These ones hit home with like long ass songs, which is a pretty balls out move on a, uh, you know, ostensibly a pop record, right? At least they advertise it as a pop record, right? So these are two long ass songs, right? Yeah. Um, So speak on it. What do you think about fireworks? Well, Fireworks, I, I think, is a great follow-up to Reverend Green because it's hard to describe which is the best fucking song off of each of it. Is it Fireworks? Is it Reverend Green? Is it somewhere further on in the album, or is it somewhere prior in the album? It's I think it's further great. on, personally, but we'll talk about that. What do you think? Yeah. Cuckoo? Anyway. Yes! Uh, Wait, <laughs> how'd you guess? You're on my mind. Okay. <laughs> it is, because it is. It is. Okay, okay, fireworks though, fireworks though. <laughs> fireworks, all right. Um, fireworks did a really good job though at like taking the entirety of the album and working it into one thing because you're left with a childlike mentality on some of these lyrics, but also you have to take on the adult-like mentality of releasing the album, like, when this came out, you listened to it at a point where they were willing to release the music video for whatever it was, but also wanted you to hear the lyrics of what it meant, which was some young childlike mindsets, you know? It was, uh, Fireworks is a song about like, where where you were at that childlike time of watching Fireworks, you know? Like, the, the first experience. And, uh, it's it's chaotic it's 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 nonsense but it's also one of the most beautiful moments in your life so it's it's something very interesting to experience for the first time but they contrast it with talking about how the experiencer of the song is pooping his pants because oh boy as a child that's not so much fun (laughs) so yeah it's just just shit yourself and fucking listen to the shit that matters that's it I was going to say, mention a music video is one of the buzzwords. <laughs> well, did, did it? I don't know if a kid shit himself in the music video. I don't watch him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either, but at least mention one is one. Because um, I know Fireworks and Peace Bone are the only two music videos of this album, but separately. Anyway. Okay. Um, I was going to say on fireworks too, it's, it's interesting. The, uh, piano riff that kind of comes in. Um, I couldn't tell, I I'd have to sit down and listen to it again, but it almost sounds like a chorus, like during the chorus or like post chorus almost. Um, there's this piano that comes in and doubles the vocals and it's such like a pop thing right there. Um, 
you know, it's such like a Beatles kind of influence thing. Um, and it's one of those moments on the album where it's this very, uh, you know, most of the albums is very eclectic yeah, wall of sound kind of thing. But then they still draw you in with these little uh, pop like tropes of like, we're going to give you the piano doubling the vocals right here. It's like, this yeah. is how you know it's a pop album. It's like, it's really interesting because they describe themselves as pop or experimental pop, right? So it's kind of this yeah. thing where it's like, we're going to do some really weird shit, but we're still going to draw you back in with these pop tropes, you know? And it's like, this was one where I full on noticed that, where they had the doubling of the vocals and the piano. It reminded me of something you hear on like a Beatles song, you know? And and yet the yeah. rest of the song is, the rest of the album's pretty out there, you know? But it was cool to hear that. It's It very much hammered home that like, we get it, you know, like we're, we're smart enough to understand the pop tropes. And we're going to take that and kind of turn it on its head and put it in a whole new context. You know, it's interesting. No, honestly, I like that because, uh, I mean, with the pop tropes, you, you're going to get stuck in certain corners. You, you really can only do so much when you're trying to be a popular music band. Like you, you can only sell psychedelic means like, for hours a day without being ridiculous and not something that anybody would ever want to participate in. Like, you got to take it very sensitively. Like, I said like way too much. I don't know. All right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. This is a SoCal podcast, man. We say like all the time. All right. As long as that's safe. Well, yeah. Like, uh... (laughs) they really do. take like the infancy of being worried about what's being said and just it being exposed into the album it's it's fun the whole way through and they don't have much expectations of where it should end up which should be based on what everybody felt who made it yeah next track number one i got a little star next door uh for good reason this, this one has a cool as shit arpeggio intro similar to the first track uh, piece bone in a way but this one was a little more defined to me i thought it was so cool i was hearing elements of like bowie on this one like on geologists uh you know vocal delivery i was hearing kind of bowie Do, do you feel that on this at all i feel that a little bit um or a lot of bit i mean it, it's it's good it, it gets psychedelic as it takes its time like it's supposed to be an album for anyone who wants to hang out with it it's not really supposed to be for like just jumping in making your decisions right away it's supposed to be for somebody who wants to hang out and really pay attention to this album it takes it it takes its time to become palatable yeah i feel that I feel that like the fact that it took me till track six to draw a Bowie comparison, you know, you probably could have, if you were like a real thinking man could have drawn that from track one. But the fact that, uh, cause again, I listened to this album track for track all the way through and it took till track six for me to make that connection to Bowie for instance. So it is kind of a, uh, one you have to mull over and kind of chew on a bit. And like this one specifically to me, at least, you know, someone else could have drawn it way sooner, for instance. But for me, it's like, this is when it hit me when I heard uh, his vocal delivery. And I was like, this reminds me of like a Bowie track. It kind of reminds me of Ziggy Stardust, Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust almost, if, if you feel that. Seriously. 
No, I, I really like the psychedelic view on it and all the time it takes to really accept it. And it goes childlike at certain points too. Like with Winter Wonderland, one of the last uh or third to last uh albums from the track, it really takes that childlike mindset and just incorporates it in such a way that just makes you want to hang out. Like you're sipping to it, you're you're chilling to it, and all of a sudden this childlike mindset shows up and you just want to hang out forever. Like just just breathe it in and just experience something more simple, you know? You're right. But Winter Wonderland does give way to the next track, which I'd really like to talk about because the next track, track number eight, uh, I did not put a star next to this one. I circled it a bunch of times. I was like, circled it a fuck ton of times. I have a lot to say about this song. It's the best, in my opinion, for the album. So yeah. we'll start this with is, This is a standout. This track, for those playing along at home, is Cuckoo Cuckoo. Um, what, what is your intro? What, what, what do you want to say about Cuckoo Cuckoo? You've listened to this one more times than I have. I want to hear what you have to say about it. It's a difficult task to take this track on. I mean, it's somewhere between the loss of childhood and the loss of experiencing yourself amongst what your parents feel and all those other vibes like you're really evolving into a new person at minimum listening to this track but it also invokes some of the uh the ideas of losing a child too young like it can it can involve some of the uh parents feeling the pain of losing a child because I feel like it takes on too many tasks at once. It takes on the task of being the lost child, but also being the lost childhood of the adult that exists now. Like it's, it's something you want to be in the future because of something you've been in the past, but additionally being something you can't be because it's been something somebody else existed as one of their past memories a, a a future expectation so, somewhere in between those two your future expectations of yourself and those future expectations of something that was supposed to be your child somewhere in between those two <laughs> yeah uh d- describe describe the uh like the the landscape or the uh what, what does this one sound like this one sounds like just really something in between. It's it's there's the high vocals of don't need to try and I, or actually let me get the uh what is it the lyrics of this fucking session is uh and I can't hold what's in my hands. Don't do anything good to say what I planned. And little kids sliding down this steel paint slide. Little kids can't play with things that have died. Sometimes all I want is one of my favorite songs. And two, three minutes doesn't seem that long. And where's my mom? I want to hold her tight. She's so far away on crowded nights. I mean, it really resembles the, the, the balance between enjoying some of your favorite songs and trying to find comfort in those and trying to find 
a person that comforts you in the same way and the way their emotions still always have a musical tone, but something you need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. This song was a deep one, man. Um, this one struck me. It was uh, musically and I feel like tone wise kind of different than a lot of the rest of the album. I think theme wise, it followed with a lot of the rest of the album, but uh, it was the first one to like, you know, in a musical sense, follow that same theme, you know, uh, it was, it kind of has this melancholy vibe of this uh, looped kind of uh, piano line. It sounds like a very vintage, warm, kind of decaying tape loop or something, you know? Um, and it, it, it intros with that kind of piano loop and uh, this sort of lamenting slash chanting kind of vocal thing, um, you know, paired with these backwards, you hear like little slight moments, slight hints of kind of backwards guitar or backwards vocals or something. It's kind of this... It's like it's sucking you into the past, you know, and um, God, this was a cool song. I, I, I hinted at it earlier, but uh, another band I talk about all the time is Radiohead. Um, I, are you a Radiohead guy? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, this song to me, uh, this having come out when it did uh predated like there's radiohead stuff that's being released like now somewhat recent it's like throughout this program i often find times where i can be like i feel like radiohead influenced the band that you're currently talking about right it's like mo most of the time radiohead was like way ahead of the curve uh on a lot of stuff but it was interesting listening to this song and seeing that it came out before uh for instance in rainbows even yeah uh, and I feel like Radiohead was dropping songs like this on King of Limbs and Moon Shaped Cool. And it was wild to hear uh, Animal Collective drop a song like Cuckoo Cuckoo right here. And this is some shit that like Tom York would probably be drawing from for like future Radiohead albums. Like 10 years later, you know, he'd be dropping songs that sound similar to this. And it blew my fucking mind that uh, all the way back then, um, these guys would drop a song like this. Like that's what blew me away about Cuckoo Cuckoo's. It, it sounded like a Tom York solo project or like maybe a Radiohead, you know, King of Limbs or even Moonshaped Pool track all the way back then. It blew my fucking mind. This song I, I circled, I didn't even draw a star. I circled it a bunch of fucking times because this one to me uh, was the standout of the entire fucking record, man. Not really. I mean, like with some of the lyrics, there's like the, the opening of how I lost my boy, how I lost my boy, how I lost my boy, like just over and over again is it is devastating. Like they try to paint this horrific image or maybe like realistic image. I don't know. Like the pain and loss is constantly an ebb and flow, you know? It's 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 there the entire time, and I can't hold what's or I can't hold what's in my hand. Don't do any good to say this isn't what I planned. Little kids sliding down the steel park slide. Little kids can't play with things they have or 
with things that have died. Sometimes all I want is one of my favorite songs. And where two minutes doesn't seem that long. And where my mom, I want to, and where's my mom? I want to hold her tight. She's too far away from crowded nights. And I, like, they just, I don't know. They, 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 they put you in this childlike, like, infancy that you really can't even protest against. Like, it, it just takes you to a moment where it's, it's just you and the, the covers. I don't know. Like, you don't want right. monsters. It's vulnerable, right? It catches you off guard. It's insanely vulnerable like that. Yeah. And and what's wild is the whole album being in kind of this, um, it's almost, you're almost in like this dreamlike state through the whole thing. So it, it almost kind of primes you to be uh, receptive to something like this. It's like, um, um, it's wild that you listen to like a Radiohead album and it has like all these like disparate themes and stuff. And you get to a song that sounds like this, like the soundscape is very similar to this. Uh, but on this album, it's like they can drop this soundscape on you at song number eight of nine. Uh, really? And it and it fucking hits like it's this fucking like you listen to the seven previous songs and then they drop this on you of eight of nine. And it's like, damn, like they kind of dropped this way better than even Radiohead did, because I think on the Radiohead album, it was like song three. I'm I'm blowing it right now. What Radiohead song was that? It's one where Tom's climbing up the mountain. Yeah, you know, shit. Let me look this up. Radiohead. They put it was like the third song on their album or some shit. Radiohead lost their touch, man. They lost their edge. But that's the uh, point is is that the the loss of touch is through attempting to re reconcile with the audience and they're trying to feed them something. But Animal Collective in itself is just so childlike that you can't help but feel it. Like it goes back to such like a primal state that I don't know. You, you got no option. You just, it's you, you're there and it's childlike and it's just nonsense. And maybe the most sense, I don't know. Yeah. And on, and it's like, this song is the one where that all comes home, you know? Yeah. It's on moon shaped pool. It's, uh, the song is daydreaming. Okay. Yeah. It's on moon shaped pool. It's their latest album, 2016. So almost 10 years after this, after this, they released a song that's very similar to this one. And uh, it, it was like the third or fourth song on that album. And it was like an intense song. It's the second song. Fuck me. It's the second song on the album, guys. What would you thinking? Jeez, Radiohead used to be able to put together an album. Christ almighty. What were they thinking? Well, anyways, they uh, they put it as their second song on their most recent album. And uh, it's a great song, but uh Fuck. I mean, Animal Collective, 10 years before that, put this as the second to last song, made a way better choice at that. Uh, you know, <laughs> like I said, normally on this program, I'm talking about how Radiohead uh, beat everyone else to the punch. And yet right here, Animal Collective uh, beat Radiohead to the punch by like 10 years, you know, and did it more and effectively. Really, too. It's really yeah. the answer on Animal Collective is that they have to deal with that constantly is they really feel like they're behind the bar on a lot of the sensible sounds that they're making. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that, that blows me away. I'm a huge Radiohead guy and I'm, I'm giving it up to animal collective right now. Like they fucking hit that. They fucking did that. Um, last song in the album, brother, Derek, 
What do you have to say about it? Derek, oh man, I love Derek. Derek is a sad song. It's a sad song if you want to experience it as that because it wouldn't sound like that any other way because it's a fun, upbeat song. It It's really a song about an acceptable loss. I mean, all of us can go through. I mean, you really would... If you were going to talk about a measured loss, it'd be about that of your dog, okay? You Mm -hmm. go there, you go out of your way, try to take care of him as best as you can, but at the end of the day, I mean, this is is your animal that he doesn't last as long as regular people. It's about, you know, a third of the time. But you do your best to treat them the best you can, and you, you take care of them. And Derek was uh, Derek was the champion sound of a dog dying too young. I don't know. 20 years isn't enough. They're the best of us. You treat animals right. You know, you look at them, you see them in their fucking space, and you, uh, you take care of them while they're here. But it's only the best we could expect to give them. And, uh, and, and they're, uh, lesser collectives they're uh they're only here for 10 years and we uh yeah. we treat them right while they're here i don't know yeah that's it yeah i dig it dude that's right i dig it my notes were i liked the uh you know again the ever-present beat bloops but they also had the organic kind of shakers and uh hand claps and stomps and stuff uh it was nice to hear that mixed with the arpeggiated kind of beat loop sounds um you know modular synths or whatever they were using it's you know when you're in that era of when this album was released the stomps and claps are like a uh, kind of ever-present meme in that era of music and what's funny is like the more people who bring albums from that era onto my program the more i appreciate that meme actually <laughs> there's like a lot of bands who are using the stomp clap beat in a really effective and very good way during that period like i feel like we get hung up on lumineers and shit and and get pissed about the stupid fake folk hand clap stomp thing uh but there were actually a lot of bands during that period this one included that were using that quite effectively is what i've learned from a lot of albums i've listened to so i enjoyed that on derek on the last track I, i i thought it was super fucking fitting i loved the mixture of um the uh, beep boop, uh, you know, artificial shit combined with the uh, very organic clapping and stomping. It was beautiful, man. I thought it was a great send off to the album. And uh, like you said, the uh, childlike uh, vibe, you know, childlike versus childish. Uh, <laughs> I thought they did a good job of that on on this last song, sending it off. Yeah, exactly. It, it experiences the uh, depression that you find with... I mean, dealing with the loss of a beloved pet while also dealing with the adulthood that comes with not having that happen to you, you know, take care of yourself, uh, work on yourself and deal with what comes to you because they're all, these emotions are part of growing up. So take the childhood like aspects of it and incorporate it into your adult life. Love you. Good night. Am I close? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking a whiz real quick. <laughs> Probably the best contrast we could have. <laughs> it's time.
trivia. All right, here we go. Are you ready for the trivia section? Yeah. <laughs> here we go. I've already advanced you one of these questions, and I think you've already answered a couple of these anyways. But here's the trivia section. All right, question number one. What year did the album come out? Uh, I think it's 2004 or five. Uh, <sighs> not sure. Try again. Try again. One more. Uh, oh, it's 2007. All right. They took longer than I thought. That's a drink. I'm going to call that a drink, man. Oh, oh Lord. I'm drinking too, dude. Question number two. I already asked you this one. Uh, where did the name come from? The drummer got a package of jam on an airplane. You got that one already. Ooh. I advanced you that one. You fucking nailed it. Great question. Great answer. Yep. Um, next question. Where was the album recorded? Tucson, Arizona. Beautiful. Tucson AZ, baby. You got it. You ever lived there? No. I have. You have? Yeah. Well, I hope you're going to slay these next two questions then. All right. <laughs> what is the capital of Arizona? Uh, I think it's Phoenix. Phoenix. That's right, baby. All right. <laughs> next, next one's a little harder. What is the state flower of Arizona? You know it. Like a cactus? I don't know. They probably yeah, don't... you're goddamn close. Say it. Say the word. A uh, cactus flower? I don't no. Know. What what kind of cactus, man? Uh oh, the uh Saguardia. Saguaro, you fucking got that. Oh. Damn, you fucking got that. I'll... There you fucking go. <laughs> there you fucking go. Champ. All right. Champ. Cheers. Champ. Champ. All right. Champ. <laughs> I'm taking a drink for that. Fuck yeah. I'm gonna take like a half of one. So like, I gotta slow down because you gotta come. I know we've been we've been reckless on this program. Okay, uh, what number album is this in their discography? I'm ready. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's the question. What album is it on their discography? Oh, 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 Strawberry Jam. Um, yeah, it's it's not their first album. It's so not their second. What is it? Technically, they're so here's the Indian feels, and then so probably the third. It's their seventh. Whoa, 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 whoa! Well, it depends what you compare to that. Okay. All right, because here's the thing: I did read on their Wikipedia page they retroactively declared some of these guys solo albums as animal collective albums right yeah. so it's either it's either the third or they're like eighth like it's somewhere well i i had seventh is what i had oh um, wow that's all i, I think i think we both take a drink we both take a drink for that yeah okay. yeah for that one because that's definitely somewhere in between that's debatable debatable what they're next debatable. debatable that is debatable all right, final question. Seriously, a lot uh, albums though, and nine EPs. Like seriously, yeah, it's debatable. That's all we. They're get. prolific, man. They're prolific as hell. But they're one of they're one of America's most prolific bands. I hope so. I Besides Frank Zappa, Frank Zappa's apparently. Right, I'm listening. <laughs> he's apparently the most prolific artist ever. 
I'm listening. All right. Next question. What is the geologist's real name? Ah, uh, Brian Wheats. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm good at it. That's right. <laughs> That's it, man. That's the trivia. You got it. Um, all right. I'll win. <laughs> what do I get? Two dollars? You won. You won. You, hey, you know what your prize is? What? Nothing. <laughs> Welcome back to my show. The winner gets The nothing. winner gets nothing. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. uh, it's good. It's good. All right. It's, it's some free advertisement. I can afford it. <laughs> that is, man. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Now that we've done the trivia, we can move on to the rapid fire questions. Okay. All right. Um, these questions are just fucking, you know, uh uh what do they call it it's like uh just say the first thing that comes to mind basically association exactly word association roar shark test let's do it favorite track uh cuckoo least favorite track that's tough um ah shit like i feel like thinking too much but uh Derek, sadly, like I hate it. Derek. Sure, like sure. Uh, that hurts me. That hurts me to say Derek. It hurts. It's like choosing your. It's choosing your favorite child. Like that, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But you got to choose one. You did. You chose one. Good for you, dude. Uh, I'm gonna listen to this album for the first time. How do I do it? Um, start with there with the Post Pavilion and work your way in. Hell yeah. Uh, have, <laughs> have you ever listened to this album under the influence you can plead the fifth <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> yeah I, I i did i did the drugs that like the ones you're scared your kids will ever take i did those ones and listened to it <laughs> <laughs> what drugs do you think they were doing when they made this album um psychedelics obviously but um I think they'd be lying to themselves if there was no cocaine. <laughs> At least a maintenance level cocaine. Yeah, maintenance level cocaine. My first episode was with my sister podcast host, Andrew Schultze, and he did a New Order album, like early 80s New Order. And we were talking about this and he was like struggling to come up with what drugs they're on. And I was like, you're fucking lying to me if you don't think they were on at least a maintenance level of cocaine to maintenance do that. Level. Like they, they literally, literally, like just to get those guys' asses in the fucking studio, there was a level of cocaine involved with that. Yeah. Like they yeah, just to get their fucking asses in the studio. There there was a level of cocaine, at least. <laughs> um <laughs> if this album were a beer, what kind of beer would it be? A uh, Sculpin IPA, um, like their hard one, their uh, the, their debut. Yeah, the Sculpin. I mean, it's a Sculpin Point is the name of the brewery, and uh, yeah, Sculpin is their premier IPA. They're out of what San Diego now? I'm not sure. I forget. Okay. Um, would you get intimate to this album? Oh. Would it be a goal? No. Um, <laughs> would it happen? Possibly. <laughs> if you put a gun to my head and told me to have sex with a girl, 
I might do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like. I, I'm more of a Crystal Castles. Uh, I don't know. There, there's some more repetitive motions we can make with music, and uh, they they might help you better in the sex life. But no, Animal Collective. No, it's not a gun to your head. No, little gnarly. There's maybe been two albums I've had on this program that were like actually good sex albums, and of those two, I'd probably argue against one of them. Um, are numbers created by humans, or are they inherent to nature and discovered by humans? Like numbers in general. Yeah. Um. I mean, they are obviously uh, discovered by humans because you see them happen right in front of you. I mean, you look around you and you see a two and a four. I mean, those are numbers in themselves and what they mean to people. And when you can look at your triplets and your Ford the Floor style music, they're obviously different kind of motions in themselves. So, yeah, they're they're definitely discovered to humans. We didn't we didn't know about them. We got lucky to find them. Yeah. I dig it. Um does a man with one lung get more high or less high off of one bong rip? Less high, man. Surface area. Come on. Trying to absorb that shit. Hell yeah. Does a straw have one hole or two holes? One long one. But how long it is compared to you and your mindset is your own issue. So, all right, here's a here's a here's a, a prototype question. I've actually deleted this question out of a number of episodes. Um, uh, your father gives you his axe to go out in the wood and chop down a tree. While you're chopping down the tree, you split the handle. You run into town. You buy a new handle. You connect it to the head. You keep chopping the tree, you get your wood, uh, you forget the axe out in the wilderness, you go back the next morning, the head has rusted. So you go buy a new head for the axe. You follow me? You buy a new head. Yeah. You return it to your father, you say, Father, here's your axe. Is that really your father's axe? Not at this point. You replace the handle, you replace the head. It's not your father's axe anymore? Not at all. How come? Explain. What? Well, I mean, you've replaced the materials. You've replaced the entire thing that made it his. I mean, he had his own importance to it, and he's not going to see it as the same as when he receives it back. I mean, it's it's something new to be claimed. And I don't know if he should hate it. I mean, maybe the working of his son out there in the fields uh, trying to lay claim to it again should be something impressive to him it should be something he wants to grow on it should be something he likes but if it isn't and it doesn't seem to replace what he left behind then no it's not the same it's not the same act i like that it's like the work uh that the son put into it and the effort he went in makes it an heirloom in and of itself but so so then the question is when the son passes it on to his son does he tell him my father gave this axe to me and i give this axe to you or could he not say that? Oh, I I think it'd be helpful. I think I think it should always be what you're passing on to the new generation. So then it, it's passed on. It doesn't matter what the materials are. It's the sentiment. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question. 
uh, while you were chopping down the tree, you got halfway through the tree when the axe handle split and you took off to get the new axe handle. Uh, you come back, you lost the tree. You don't remember which one you're chopping down, so you chopped down a different one. Uh, the tree that you halfway chopped down months later happens to fall down during a storm. There's no one around in the forest to hear it. So if that tree falls in the forest and there's no one around to hear it, does anyone hear it make a sound? Absolutely. Um, there's there's no a defining fact that you could find yourself to claim the entire aspect of what happened that tree falling. Uh, someone could have possibly been around to find it. I'm not sure if they were. If the if the answer is no one was around to hear it, then no one was around to hear it. But um, I think you could absolutely take that chapter and make it into something you heard. Hell yeah. There is no answer. This is these last couple questions. There is no answer. This is just I just want to hear what you have to say. There is no answer. I don't have the answer. Um, final question. Uh, you left the axe out in the forest and it rusted. Um, you you come back out the next morning and the axe head is rusted. Did the axe head rust because you left it out in the forest for a certain amount of time? Or did the rusting of the axe head give you the impression that time had passed? The action of the rust head had refined itself. Okay. The rusting is an aspect in itself. It's it's a differently defined thing than what you expected. And if you didn't expect it to rust, you didn't really have a full expectation of what was coming because anything could happen at this point. And you take it as you want, but really what it's doing is it's living its life. And more often than not, it's going to rust and it's going to experience something that's normal. So when that happens, you got to take it and you got to experience it as your own. Enjoy it or don't, but it's not my problem. I like it. I like it. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, that's it man that's all i got for you tonight man those are some great answers to some tough questions there's no right answers to those questions and if anyone listening to this thinks that you're full of shit you know what i think i think you should dm me at delta dagger music on instagram and say that you want to come onto the program and pick an album that you want to fucking stake your claim on and we'll talk about it and i'll ask you those questions you can uh, tell me your point of view on it that's what i think uh, because I think Mr. Tom tonight gave me some great answers on these questions. And uh, if you, the viewer, would like to prove me wrong, you should ought to. I'd like to give you a chance to. I think that'd be hilarious and a great opportunity. Tom, before we sign off here, give us some closing words on this album, man. What, what's your send off on this thing? Man, this was this was an album that was made by people who didn't know what exactly they were creating. They wanted to make something that resonated with people who wanted to be happy and the childhood like experience that didn't need to be so childhood like. Okay. Just something that you could experience to return you back to some of your base knowledge, but uh, not really hurt you in an aspect of where you were spiraled into uh thinking about your youth for nine weeks just a a slight enjoyment of times that used to be have a good night that's all i can say well said dude have a have a good night guys once again 
Delta Dagger Music on Instagram, redefiningrecords.com, Redefining Records on Instagram. Uh, Tom is at Winner Gets Nothing Pod. Uh, Tom, pl- plug your plug your thing one more time. Oh, Winner Gets Nothing Pod is good. I uh, yeah, it's pretty much it. I don't know. Yeah. Winner Gets Nothing Pod. Check them out. They're on Spotify. They're everywhere. Everywhere you can find them. Stream Winner Gets Nothing Pod. Uh, follow those guys. And uh, have a good night, guys. See ya. Finding Records production. production, production, production.